just recently, and I think it was probably a week and a half ago, I decided I didn't know if my internet was going slow or fast or if it was just the website. I did a speed check and I'm over 300 and that's on Wi-Fi. So they upped it again. They didn't have tell to. Us, uh, that's the greatest thing about competition. I'm like, oh my they gosh. They have to fight those fibers. But like you said, the difference between what was around 200 and what's around 300, you don't really notice it in speed, but in the back of your head, you're like, I think it's more stable. <laughs> I think it's better. I think it's, fine. it's better. I think it's faster. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the BizDev Podcast, the podcast about developing your business. I'm your host, David Baxter. I'm joined today, per usual, by co-host extraordinaire and wannabe uh, burger flipper, Gary Voigt. How's it going? Eventually. One day. One right day. now, I'm just working the heads of lettuce. But <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Nice. So if you are new to this podcast, we are a podcast about business, technology, and building your business and strategies leadership, that kind of stuff, to help all those people who are starting businesses, running businesses, want to start a business. That's what we're all about. So it's about to start storming here. Um, it's getting darker. You'll probably, if you're watching the video, I'm going to get brighter and brighter as my monitor takes over. Um, but I have a funny story about, about storms. So my mother-in-law is from Oklahoma originally. She hasn't lived there in forever. She's originally from so tornadoes out there, right? Tornadoes to her are like serious business, right? You you've all seen uh, seen the movie Twister, and you've heard the Carrie Underwood song "Blown Away," right? We all know what an Oklahoma Twister is supposed to look like, and so she has a very healthy respect for storms. So here in North Carolina, we get storms, but nothing crazy. But every time there's a tornado warning, she will literally just leave. Just, she is gone. And she'll wait it out in another city until it's gone. Oh, she means she leaves North Carolina. I thought, she, I was like, leaves to go where? Into a shelter or something? No, 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 no. She, well, she had a shelter in Texas. She had an underground. Oh, you mean when she's in shelter. Oklahoma, but now, she would leave. No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. I'm confusing okay. everyone. Here now in North Carolina, she will leave and drive two hours away to get away from okay. any sort of storm here in Raleigh. And wait it out and then come back that night whenever there's a bad <laughs> And we're all like, it's not even raining yet. And she is <laughs> gone. Gone. Anyway, I don't know if that was funny. But whenever I see a storm, I always think of that. All right. So what are we In talking Florida, about? In Florida, we have a similar issue with hurricanes. There are some Hurricanes are legit. If man. they have suffered through a hurricane, they will. Even if it's like, you know, in the realm of possibilities, they'll just pack up and go. I so. worked with a guy. And he lived in Tampa. I was up in Tallahassee at the time. And he was investing. He, he had been a consultant his whole life, so he was pretty well off. But he was insistent on building a house that was hurricane-proof. And so he kept adding to it. Like his roof had like these crazy like one-inch bolts that would hold it on. And he had all, I mean, just crazy. He was constantly upgrading his house. And we always joke that when the big one came, all it would be was Joel's house. That was the only thing left standing. The rest of the city's gone, but Joel's house is still there. And he's just sitting inside. But he was also the kind of guy who drove around, he had a bra on his car. Like, that's the kind of, oh, yeah. That's the, your brother had one of those for a long time. I used to give him such oh, grief yeah. about that. I made fun of him too. Around his Honda Accord, no less. 
I mean, if you're going to protect the car. You a plastic bug shield over the bra as well. Nice. That's, that's protection right there. Yeah, in Florida, there's been many um, versions of this hurricane-proof house of the future, and most of them just end up being domes. They're just round domes. I saw hurricane-proof houses. We, we went to Bermuda a few weeks ago. Every house there is made of concrete. Yeah, including that's pretty their roofs. Ninety percent of the houses on the coastal areas in Florida are their roofs. At least the, most of them are concrete and stucco. Yeah. It is crazy. Those things look—they all look like bunkers, very brightly colored bunkers. Uh, but I'd never seen houses. They're all just like ready. <laughs> they must get hit a couple few times a year. And but then you see like Haiti and the Caribbean, and they're all like just sticks. And it's like, are you just planning on rebuilding this again? I mean, seriously, that is going to go away. They just don't have any help of, you know. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Bermuda, I found out, was no one infrastructure of, help. Yeah. Bermuda is one of the most expensive places in the world to live. I did not know that. Be, and so I they put all that, that money. Yeah. If you, are, if you want to buy property there and you are not a uh, Bermudian, that's what they're called, I found out, you can only buy certain houses. And they are minimum, they're the expensive houses. Tourists can only buy the average house is one point five million dollars. If you, that's like, if you're from you there, you get other houses. You can you can buy. There are smaller houses and stuff that you can buy, but tourists can only buy okay. the big monsters. Well, we're gonna start off. We usually do something that's not exactly a current event, but a trending topic for the time. Uh, but at this time. There's not really any great good news coming out of the world of startups and tech and stuff. So we thought for fun, we can go over some of the things that were kind of bad, but humorous. In other words, there's been a couple articles released lately of Google's biggest fail and then Apple's biggest fails when it comes to their hardware. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to look at these two little articles and talk about the products and if we ever had them. The first one for Google's biggest fail is the Nexus Q. I, I've never even heard of it. I remember hearing about it. It was the pre-Google Chromecast. And it looks like a like a small version of what I guess the Amazon mm-hmm. Alexa turned into. What I think is funny, so it failed ten years ago. That's what the article's about. Well, and it looks like a HomePod too. When you little... watch the video, there's a video in the article. We'll have a link in the description. Uh, they talk about how futuristic it looks. And they weren't wrong because now everyone makes spheres. Like that's the thing. 10 years ago, they made the first sphere. And the reason it failed is because it only worked with Google products. I mean, it wasn't a bad product. It was expensive and it only worked with Google products, which if you wanted Spotify or something besides YouTube, you literally had no option and you paid 200 bucks for this thing. It died horribly. But the look of it, you can release that thing now and it would look modern. That's what I think is interesting. It's not like it was some heinous thing. Unlike some of the Apple products, there's a link that we'll have down. Gizmodo did a 12 most embarrassing product failures by Apple. I think it's a yeah, little these are a funny. clickbait. They missed a uh, few of title. Well, yeah, that and plus the fact that the images are in a slideshow so that they keep you on their site. But oh, yeah. I think, the, the I first think some one, of those get Newton. a bad rap, though. The Newton was an absolute bad fail. Like, it, it looks was like poorly the, done. It looks like what the Palm Pilot was, but just like a low-budget version. Well, that's what they like wanted it to be, right? They, they were trying yeah. to make a PDA, and they Applefied it. And back then, see, the thing that people – if you're young, 
Apple can do no wrong, right? Apple has been amazing and they make the iPod and then they made the iPhone and the iPad and just hit after hit after hit, gorgeous products. But there was a time in the mid nineties, man, that they were just a oh, joke. Yeah. They were failing left and right. Their and they, that's before they brought Steve Jobs back in. And that's where most of these products come. And I'm like, that's not quite right. Steve Some of these Jobs were, and Johnny Ive kind of carved out that, yeah. that Apple aesthetic that everybody's Amazing. Used to know. John yeah. Rubenstein, the only reason I know this, John Rubenstein was the guy who designed the original iPod. Uh, when I was a uh, 2009, I ran a blog about uh, the Palm Pre, and John Rubenstein was the designer of the Palm Pre, and I went on nerd and all that about that. But John Rubenstein was like, if you were into Palm, he was the man, and everybody loved him. But he was the guy who invented the or did the original design for the the click wheel. Like he was legit oh, for the iPod mm-hmm, for the original iPod, the Palm Pre, yeah. which was funny enough, that first phone that came out, that was my first real smartphone. That thing, it had a little slide up and it had a real keyboard in it, like a BlackBerry. But the edges of that thing, you could cut cheese with them. Man, they were so sharp. No. Like you would literally be Slice using it. It would off. almost cut your fingers. It was so bad. <laughs> but I loved that little phone. Anyway, um, the one that I thought was interesting on the failed product thing was um, speaking of failed products. We're talking about the Palm Pre. Yeah, that died horribly. Um, the uh, Apple, they had that operating system. That Talk about classic pre-Jobs. They had an operating system that didn't come out. It was supposed to be OS 7. Now they're an OS, well, they've been calling it OS 10 for like 15 years. So I don't even no, know. No, we're at 14. They, did it finally go up to 14? Yeah, right now it's a, uh, mon- well, it's OS 12.4. OS so. 12. Okay, because they had 10 yeah. for over a decade. Um, yeah, 10 was like the whole new style where it was all the Linux was the background. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, where they changed the whole UI system and the visual, which kind of forced all the other operating systems except for Linux to kind of up their game when it came to the visual and the UI and the aesthetic. I know I will take flack for this, but I have never liked, ironically, the UIs of Mac. I know every, I just... There's something about that, the bar, and I think I'm a Windows guy, I know that, but I've been on both, and I, I have to say, I just, I love their hardware, but the Mac OS, sorry, man, I just can't do it. Nope. It's just ugly. Bubbles. It's bubbles. That's the way I feel about the Windows OS. Do you really? Okay, that's fair. I mean, yes. it's, I love I love how minimalist the uh, uh, Windows 11 is now. Super minimal, and I dig that. But I remember back in the early 2000s when I didn't have a Mac yet. I was working on one in school, in college, but I had a PC that I built at home. And the amount of different emulators and theme packages and things that I would do to try to make the Windows UI look like the Apple UI. <laughs> like even things like Winamp skins oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, I was totally into there that. There was, what was that thing you could get? Customizing the Stardock? UI more like Apple. Was something you could add to Windows and it would allow you to customize like everything. And I don't remember get all the name, but so. I did have something like that. Yeah. Anyway, no one cares about this. I find it interesting that the one thing I wanted to say about the Apple products is that hockey puck mouse. I remember the that. one that looked like a little circle, and the, most people today probably don't even remember it. But that is exactly the mouse that I had to use in college. It was too it big. Was on an old iMac. That was the problem with it. It wasn't. 
too big, it was so ergonomically awkward to use because with most, most mice, you could just reach over and grab and you knew where you were. Mm -hmm. You knew where to put your fingers. This thing was round with a wire. So anywhere you grabbed it, unless you could feel that wire, you had no idea where the button was until you looked down. And then when you did look down, the button was clear next to a, the same clear plastic all around it. Nice. So it was just like, I guess it, they tried to make it look like it fit the IMAX because of the color yeah. and, and the way it was designed. But they were just horrible to use. So you'd walk into the graphic design department at school. You'd see the array of IMAX in different colors all the way down the desks, and everybody would be plugging in their own personal mouse and <laughs> not using the ones That's that came funny. with it. So everybody had to bring their own mouse to class if they wanted a decent it mouse. It reminds me. There's a brand 90 new. percent of them were the Logitech ones, too. There's a brand new product out. Dell just released a new laptop, uh, XPS something, something, something. And it's a really pretty laptop. But they, someone had the idea that the touchpad should be invisible. This is brand new. It's on sale right now. And it's it's a totally, you know, like Apple does the... So no one knows where the edges yeah, are. Yeah, and you don't know where the, where you can click. <laughs> it's, it's it's a purely haptic mouse, just like an Apple, right? You know there's no real buttons. Yeah, so yeah. the whole thing's magnets just underneath it. And it's just the big block underneath the keyboard. And there's no lines, nothing that signifies these are the edges of the mouse. I do not understand the logic of that. You just It's in the middle somewhere. So now transitioning from what possible failed products did exist before the successful ones, uh, I'm going to try to make this work. I wanted to talk about trying to simplify your great idea. So if a business owner or someone came to us with a great idea, but of course their idea might entail way too much, how to chisel that down into something that's actually going to be at least a success or the closest thing possible at the beginning. So I just, the quote of simplicity is complicated said by every designer everywhere all the time. For uh, sure. That holds true in this. So the principle exists that in almost every aspect of design development and even how your business operates, you could have all the greatest ideas and features put together, but until you start chiseling them away and finding the actual core function of what you're trying to create, the usefulness, the value that it's going to have to your customers, that's when you actually start creating that magical piece of either software or product or whatever you're selling, whatever kind of value you're creating for the market. That's where that kind of beauty comes out of. So there's always going to be a balance between the two, what the business owner has in their head as what it needs to be versus what probably the end user consumer wants. So then carving that kind of like a sculpture from, from the big idea and chiseling away down to creating that one little, you know, perfect piece in the middle. What is the strategy and the planning that we can offer to a business owner or a startup that kind of lends our expertise to crafting their vision into something that's a little bit more marketable than just the big idea? Well, so when someone comes to us and says, I have an idea, the the important part of that idea is often lost in because when someone there's a common thing when you're a startup founder and you have this idea in your head you've been thinking about this for years so you have created this like massive 
Frankenbeast in your mind with 3,000 features. Frankenbeast is a good term. And you can't... You can't see the forest for the trees anymore. You can't see your original idea that started this. And that's fine because you've now created this massive, it's five-year plan on accident because you're still thinking about it. You can't build it, right? That's why you're talking to someone like me, but you can't build it. So you keep thinking about it and that's fine. So I, true story, we had a client a while ago come to us and he had I don't know, 20, 30, 50 pages of an idea. I don't even know what you call it. A spec, maybe. And he got really mad at me because I refused to even open it. And I was like, no, I'm not. And he he got really mad at me. But then we did what we call our exploratory, which is where we, we drill down and do this process to get to the core of the idea. By the end of it, he was very grateful that we hadn't because he realized what I was doing, but I was throwing that out because his idea had already, again, turned into the Frankenbeast. The key part is, and I say this all the time, there are two stages to every startup before you're awesome. And once you're awesome, before you're awesome is how you get people to care. Once you're awesome is when you have your own gravity. You're already, people are coming to you because they want what you're providing. But oftentimes, those are two completely different companies in in a sense because you can't do things. You can do things when you know you have 100,000 users that you can't when you have zero, right? You can say, well, we're going to use user data to know what blah, blah, blah is going to happen. Well, when you have no user data, that doesn't work, right? That's just a cheesy example. So we have to often throw – because those five-year plans that they've come up with, they often are once you're awesome. They already have assumed I've succeeded. And we have to break that down. The joke that we always say is, my job is to kill your idea and then make it happen. And that's because you have already outrun your original idea and we need to bring that back. And we need to chop all that stuff off so that we grab that gleaming jewel that's in the middle. And that's what we build initially. And now, ideally, we can build all of it over time as you become successful. But there's no guarantee of success. I don't care how good your idea is. But the you're not going to have any chance of success if you're just building big old bloatware. Like everyone, the classic example is I'm going to build an inventory system for something that doesn't currently have an inventory system, right? Oh, it's going to be great. We're going to change the world. And then I want to add a social media campaign component. <laughs> you're like, whoa. Yeah, it's... No. Trying to fill the imaginary gap that you've created in your head with with features that you think everybody's going to want that nobody actually needs yeah. is is kind of what we're chiseling away. We have a tagline on our website that says our superpower is cutting through the nonsense to get it done. Uh, and that's basically what happens during the exploratories. And it's not meant to be rude. It's just you wouldn't want to drive a car that was developed by a non-car designer, right? Just a regular Joe. The same is true for software. A software designer is going to build software differently. This is why execution is all that matters. Your idea, I will say 95 plus percent of ideas are not what matters. There's some that are so revolutionary that, you know, that, that they stand on their own. Those are extraordinarily rare and very, very, very few people can start a company purely on an idea. There are a few, 
and someone will name a few, I'm sure, but they're extraordinarily rare. What matters is execution. And execution is grabbing, again, that little nugget and building that well, well-designed, well-built, well-scalable, all that good stuff, so that you can take it to the next step. Yeah, and there's probably a chance where uh, your idea, your core idea, um, 10, 15 other people have tried to create this or have started to do it, and maybe they got off the rails and started adding stuff too. So, I mean, it it doesn't necessarily have to be an original idea, but as you were saying, if that idea can be kind of molded back in, into creating the actual essence of it with the value and then the execution of it and how it's built to take it to market is probably going to win over, you know, the ones that have all the extras that might not be necessary. When you mentioned social media, of course, there was the time where how many different social media platforms were trying to be built when Facebook started. There was, it seemed like every week there was a new one that was going to be the next big mm -hmm. thing. Friendster, this, that, and they all did pretty much the same thing where they were just trying to add more, add more, add more, take these three different platforms and put them into one. And then they all just kind of go away because people find the one thing that is of value to them from that core idea and stick with that. Well, I mean, look at, um, Snapchat stories, I believe was the original incarnation. You're, are, do you mean Instagram reels or are you talking about TikTok? <laughs> Those are all stolen. But, but I mean, that's what, what yeah, I find exactly. really interesting is if you look at not most, uh, several of the modern social media, the, their big hits, as it were, started by Snapchat. Yeah. Snapchat has this tiny little company by social media standards has created some of the most unique ideas that the industry now runs on. And it's pretty impressive. Like they're, whatever, they're kind of like the 3M of software, right? They just keep making new stuff because they have to. They can't sit on their laurels and just make money off their billion users. That's not how they work. And so they are constantly coming up with neat stuff. They came up with stories. It was immediately stolen by Instagram and Reels. Now, right? So was the filters and stuff. Filters were, were, I mean, that was the original invention. That was they stolen immediately. blew everybody away yeah. with, oh my goodness, I can put glasses on that guy's face and they follow him. And that was huge. And it's amazing. I, right now, the hotness actually came from TikTok. And that is they invented, and the, their claim to fame is they invented an algorithm. This is scary when you say it this way. That, you know, let me back up. Every time you start with a new social media platform, the first thing they say is, what do you like? And you start selecting a bunch of stuff, and then they start feeding things because they don't really know you. TikTok now uses what you watch and what you scroll through to start predicting what you're going to like rather than being reactive, which is mind-blowingly complicated, I am sure. But that's what their superpower is. And everyone's trying to figure it out, and no one's, no one's captured that. They're still off by themselves. Um, but I think that's a good example of once you're awesome, right? You can't do that unless you have a huge number of users because you don't know how to train your computer to guess what that guy likes. The key part of this is to think of your idea and keep refining that idea. Your idea should be getting smaller, not bigger. It's kind of like um, authors. Yes. Anyone can write a thousand page book. The really good authors will cut that into a 250 page book. 
that's when you start being yeah. really talented. It, it's, it's really hard. It's really hard to do. And that's really what I, I would It's recommend. telling that story in, you know, with minimal effort. So it's almost like building the best possible product without all the bloat. Yeah. Same thing. Just keep refining and tightening up and, and making sure that that core idea is, is the, the focus. And that's what another thing I say during exploratories is when Google started, they were a search engine, right? And that's where all their money came from. That's the search engine. It's the, it's the engine that makes their money. And then they and started that's doing all things they like wanted to be. But they started doing things like Gmail and Android, and those are tangential because when you start using Gmail and Android, you are feeding the search engine, but they themselves do not make mm -hmm. much money. Not really. Not by Google standards, at least. So they are tangential, and they feed the engine, but they themselves are not an engine. And then you have things like Waymo and their balloon projects where they send internet balloons up, internet balloons up. And, and other craziness. They have those companies. And those are just money pits that may succeed at some point, but may not. Probably won't. Odds are. And they know that. So when I talk to startups, I Google say, Glass. you need to focus on your, your, your search engine. And I'll actually use that phrase because most people understand that. I'll say, that sounds like a Gmail, not the search engine. Let's put that in phase two or three. Let's get your search engine going, the revenue coming that allows you to come into work every day because it's making money and do the Gmails and stuff. Because those are good, right? If, when you're on Android, everything you do makes them money in some way. But that's only because their, uh, their search engine is so good at making money, right? Android itself doesn't do that. Right. And so that's where I'd say, oh, I want social media. Do you? That's a balloon. Just put that to the side. Build that way later. <laughs> you can do it, but seriously, it's not going to make you a dollar and you need to spend bazillions of dollars to even give that a chance. Everybody's going to have some ideas and there's probably a lot of people that are thinking about starting their business that have an idea, but might not think that it's big enough, quote unquote, you know, the next big idea is always being talked about. So you start adding little things that you think of to this idea. And then in the end, you might have to cut it all away to the actual essential core part of that idea to make it something, you know, buildable and marketable. So just wanted to kind of shed some light on maybe the principles that help guide us when we're talking to, to customers and to clients about the strategy of their product and, and how to go through that exploratory and find out what seems more realistic, what seems feasible, or even if, if they're open to ideas, maybe a little pivot from their idea and open up something that they might not have thought of before. Those are the kind of opportunities that we can help. Present so I want to, them. I, I want to plug a future podcast. Cause I think you brought up an idea. Not every idea has to be big. And I think it's worth, worth diving into right. the lifestyle business versus the big, exciting business. I think the unicorn as it were, that's worth talking about. Cause I think it doesn't get enough press. Um, Lifestyle businesses are legit and they should not be thrown to the side. I'll end on this note. So today I get into my office and I still don't know why this is literally happened today. My 
computer will not, my laptop will not connect to my Wi-Fi here in my office. I reboot. I do all the normal things. I went and unplugged my router. But then I realized my phone was connected to my Wi-Fi just fine. So I have no idea what's happening. It wasn't so the Wi-Fi. It wasn't the Wi-Fi. And I'm freaking out because i got to be on a meeting. Or at least it wasn't the internet. So I yeah. asked my, my lovely wife to bring me a Cat5 cable. I don't even know if it's a Cat5 cable. I, I, I am so slow in the hardware world. I didn't know there was a Cat6. <laughs> Apparently there's a Cat8. There's I didn't cat either. Eight. I, when I saw in Slack you guys talking about the different cat yeah. numbers, this is why it's good to have whatever. a bunch of nerds I was like, Wait, working what? for you but because they were like, "No, no, no, you yeah. need cat six. That's the end of it. Everything else is stupid." Okay, cool. So I I, I ordered one from Amazon, a little cat six. Because here's what's, what's funny is I have a cord in my laptop. You can't see it, but cord in my laptop over here that's literally three feet. So it is just like a clothesline to my to my wall right now. Um, so if you walk by there, you would just die. But What's funny is I've been on Wi-Fi for years. I haven't plugged into a wall. And I have good internet here. I have gigabit. And normally on a Wi-Fi, that's 400 megabits down, which is stupid fast and wonderful, and I love it. I plugged in today, though, ah, with my, I don't even know what cord I have. It's probably a five. 920 down. <laughs> it's so, that's so ridiculous. Insane. And I'm yeah. the only one here. Right? In my little office, I'm the only one in here because everybody else is remote. So it's just all my internet. I get the gigabit all by myself. I will say. You're probably faster than some of the sites. You're, well, you run into the sure. servers. They can't go that fast. But what's funny to me yeah. is I can't tell the difference between once I'm over 100 megabits, it's all instant to me. Yeah. Now, I felt like I was royalty because just recently – we have a cable internet here and the provider, when we first got it, it was a hundred megabytes was their yeah. sales tag. They're just up to a hundred. So we were getting about 86, 87 over Wi-Fi, which I thought was pretty good for, you know, a hundred that's coming out of the wall or whatever. And then out of nowhere, I guess when other providers in the area started upping their speeds, they upped yep. us to 200. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. And we'd probably top out about 165, 170, 180 on a light day if like kids weren't streaming mm -hmm. games or anything like that. And just recently, and I think it was probably a week and a half ago, I decided I didn't know if my internet was going slow or fast or if it was just a website. I did a speed check and I'm over 300 and that's on Wi-Fi. So they upped it again. They didn't have tell to. Us, that's the greatest thing about competition. I'm like, oh my they gosh. They have to fight those fibers. But like you said. The difference between what was around 200 and what's around 300, you don't really notice it in speed, but in the back of your head, you're like, I think it's more stable. I think it's better. I think it's, fine. it's better. I think it's faster. It's yeah. definitely. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. I, I, I will tell you that I have no idea what 900 gets me. Unless I'm downloading a game and then it's just like instant. And that's like awesome. But eh. anyway. All right. Yeah, I guess it would. the download speeds are download speeds. But if you're just going through websites that have content being pulled into them, like, you know, streams or whatever, you're really not going to notice much difference between the four. I will say that probably. when your upload speed gets faster, things like what we're doing right now, recording the podcast, this is a lot better. This is a lot better. Yeah, well, your upload speeds are incredibly um, fast. Not as fast as Juan's, but that's like okay. 10. Juan has 200 up, which is crazy. Anyway, that's boring. <laughs> no one wants to hear that. Okay, we're going to say bye now. So thank you for listening. All right. So then if you have any comments or questions, 
You can always get in touch with us through hello at thebigpixel.net. You can visit our website, thebigpixel.net, and you can check out our YouTube page. Just look for well, we're the now, Big Pixel. We're, we're working hard to get on more stuff. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're even on TikTok, which much to my chagrin. Um, yeah, and we have video of no, you do doing not. Dances, no, so I do not record those unless my wife gave you one. <laughs> Your kids sent them. Now that would make me sad. There's some epic dances, though. Let me tell you. Or we'll just stick your we'll stick your head on one of those like the Elf Myself videos. You already did that to me. You did that to me once. I got a birthday present. I think we'll be doing something (laughs) embarrassing. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. See you next time.